I've got one. Do you? Like what? Have one what? <laughs> a mansion just over the hilltop. That's what they were singing or playing. And uh, I'm thankful that I have one. And thank you, everybody, for participating in the music today. Colossians chapter number two. Uh, we're done with Colossians chapter number one. And moving on to now Colossians chapter number two. And as you're finding that, if you would join me in standing for the reading of God's word. Colossians chapter number two, we're going to read verses one through three and cover these three verses tonight. Colossians chapter two, verses one through three. The word of God says in Colossians chapter two, for I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Our Lord, we are grateful to be able to come into your presence tonight and to be able to gather together and assemble together. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, just bless this time as we look into the word of God and and as we um, hear this message, Lord, I pray that we would be good hearers, but also good doers. And uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you would uh, help us to apply the truth to our own individual lives. And we pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So tomorrow is teen camp, and uh, half of our family is headed to camp, praise the Lord. Uh, we have one straggler uh, that's going to be in the house, but, uh, but three of our children are going to be heading to camp, and in the last week or so, there has been some buzz about what they're going to be packing and bringing to camp. Um, and some are a little more concerned about what they're bringing than others. Uh, for instance, I think Faith is pretty well packed. Luke and Seth, um, yeah, not so much. Uh, there's going to be a little bit of packing uh, tonight uh, and tomorrow. Um, so anyway, mostly tomorrow for Seth. And uh, I guess Luke is uh, pretty well packed, but, but Seth is not. Uh, but uh, there, it, it takes effort to pack some things, and you need to kind of get a little bit of a packing list, and, and Brother Blake and Miss Kalen put together a packing list of things that uh, they need to make sure that they bring to camp, uh, the right type of clothes and the Bible and, and toiletries, deodorant, amen. Uh, so some important things to make sure that they pack before they head out on uh, their uh, trip to camp. Now, with that in mind, uh, here in this passage, we see that Paul here, and uh, the word prayer isn't uh, mentioned here, but you can kind of tell that that's what he was doing here for this church family. In chapter 2, verse 1, it says, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you. So there was a desire which no doubt led the Apostle Paul to pray for this church family that they would Uh, pack some things in their hearts. And so um, with that in mind, let's go and and dive into uh, what Paul desired and prayed that this church family would 
put into their hearts, that their hearts would be full and uh, that their hearts would uh, have the right things in it. And in verse number two and three are the, is basically the packing list that, uh, that Paul gave to this church family and, and desired that their hearts would be full with some important things. What, what are the things that Paul wanted the church family to be full with? Well, first of all, he wanted their, uh, their, their hearts to, because this is an empty heart here, and uh, first of all, he wanted them to have uh, to be full of comfort. So he wanted to make sure that comfort got into their hearts. Verse number two says that their hearts might be comforted. So as he considered this church family that uh, was going through some difficult times, and uh, one thing that was that caused him and triggered him to write this book was there was some heresy coming and creeping into the church that basically said, hey, there's more to this Christian life than, than what is found in the scriptures. And, and that's obviously not true. Um, all we have, all we need is, is in Christ. And so as they were dealing with this difficulty, he said, look, I want your hearts to be comforted. Uh, don't be swayed and, and uh, don't, don't worry about all the things coming in. Just have comfort. And, uh, and as I thought about that, I thought, man, boy, if there's ever a day and time in which we need comfort, it's the day in which we live right now. Uh, we are going through difficult times, no question about it. And with all that's going on in the world and, and in not just the world, but in our own individual lives, some are going through some real uh, challenging uh, issues. Um, some are dealing with health problems, financial struggles the loss of a loved one, and, and the list goes on. And so we definitely need comfort. Now, John 16 and verse 33, Jesus promised that we would have difficult times. This isn't one of those promises that we're like, yay, I'm so thankful for this promise, standing on the promises of God. This is one of those promises that we uh, don't necessarily love, and that's John 16, 33, where it says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace, in the world ye shall have tribulation. We're going to experience difficulty. We're going to experience hardship. We're going to experience trials and tribulation. And uh, not something that uh, we enjoy, but it is a fact of life. And so the question is, where do we get our comfort from when we go through those times? And as we consider all that's going on in this world, where do we get our comfort from? Um, Paul here, as he desired that their hearts would be filled with comfort, uh, he wasn't saying, oh, well, you need to just be filled with comfort food. And uh, some of us have comfort food. And uh, I remember I mentioned this morning that I went and got my comfort drink last night uh, with some uh, root beer with a couple uh, shots of vanilla in it. Oh, yes, vanilla root beer. Got to try it. Okay, uh, so where do we get our comfort from? Do we get it from our comfort food? Some, some have their comfy blankie. I think Julie got a comfy blankie for her birthday. Is that what you got? It was a robe, comfy robe. Okay, well, there you go. Um, others find their comfort in a large bank account. And when the numbers are up, they're comfy uh, because they have that, that, that feeling of comfort. Um, others find their comfort in other things. They try to escape their problems and go to things 
that uh, kind of give them a little bit of an escape. They go to video games. Some even try to escape their problems and find their comfort in sinful things. Things like drugs or alcohol, immoral relationships, a wicked internet activity. But in reality, what we need most is to find our comfort in the Lord. And that's what Paul was trying to tell this church family. Look, I want your hearts to be filled, not with the comfort that this world offers, but the comfort that, uh, that the Lord offers. 2 Corinthians 1.3, Paul said, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. And the next verse says, Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted to God. So we all see comfort in all these things, and all the while God is there going, Hello, let me comfort you with a comfort that this world simply cannot provide. Now, Robert Louis Stevenson uh, tells of a storm that caught a vessel off of a rocky coast and threatened to drive it and its passengers to destruction. In the midst of the terror, one daring man, contrary to orders, went to the deck, made a dangerous passage to the pilot house, and saw the steerman at his post holding the wheel unwaveringly, an inch by inch turning the ship out once more to sea. The pilot saw the watcher and smiled. Then the daring passenger went below and gave out a note of cheer. He said, I have seen the face of the pilot, and he smiled. All is well. Okay, our pilot is smiling. He is not worried. He's not fretting about what's going on in the world or what's going on in your life. He's well in control. And as we look at him, uh, we can see a smile and let that cause us to be comforted. Let that cause us to cheer up a little bit and not fret and not worry. So Paul, as he was thinking about the church at Colossae and all that they were dealing with, he said, I want you to be full of comfort. Um, let's fill our hearts with comfort, not the comfort of the world, the comfort that comes with the relationship with God. So find your comfort in your relationship with the Lord. Run to Him in prayer and to His Word in times when you need comfort. And I'm thankful for friends who come alongside and try to comfort us. And I think of Job when he was going through all that he went through and his friends came to comfort him. Did they do a good job? <laughs> and not so much. In fact, they kind of made things worse. So find your, find your real comfort in the Lord rather than in the things of this world and even through uh, friends and family. Although I am thankful for those as well. So first... Be filled with comfort. But then his next desire is that their hearts would be comforted, and, uh, but then they would also be filled with connection. And notice verse 2, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love. Knit together in love. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a knitter, okay? Um, I don't usually do that on my spare time. How many of you knit? How many knitters do we have in the room? one knitter how many crocheters do we have in the room okay several more a little more popular here in this church crocheting okay uh how many know how to crochet raise your hand uh yeah higher mark <laughs> uh, mark knows how to crochet 
Um, I, ha I don't really know how to crochet. I don't think I've ever knitted before in my life, but I have done some macrame. And I'm not sure if I'm saying that right or not. Is that right? Um, it's kind of like braiding, braiding and tying. I don't really know well. I did it when I was in like fifth or sixth grade. And I haven't done it since. And I made this little pot holder that my parents hung from the, uh, the kitchen window. And uh, it all was really nice except for the, the bottom strands. There was one that was way longer than the rest. And I, don't, I was like, how did I mess up? How did I mess up? But I did. Anyway, uh, the idea here of knitting our hearts together, that our hearts being knit together in love, it gives the idea of a firm union, a cementi. And God desires that our hearts would be filled with connection and that we would have this close union with one another. Um, it was a uh, Friday night when I spoke to a Mr. Randy Nutt from Oklahoma back in March, early March of 2018. That was a little over four years ago. And uh, my wife and I were sitting at Silver Star Steakhouse in Helena, Montana on a date night. And I got a call from Randy Nutt and he asked if I was interested in coming to Oklahoma and being a pastor, and I said, well, I hadn't really ever thought about that, <laughs> um, especially the Oklahoma part. <laughs> and, and so anyway, we were on this date, and, and uh, I hung up the phone, and, and my wife looked at me, and I said, and she's like, so what was that about? And I told her, and so that changed the course of our date. And he had asked me, um, he said, okay, well, if you're going to come, we're going to want you to do a, you know, your salvation testimony, a, you know, your send over your doctrinal statement, to send over your philosophy of music, your philosophy of ministry. Um, and uh, we're going to have some questions that we're going to send you and want you to, to fill out. And I'm like, man, that all, I don't have any of that done. And I don't really want to do all of that if this isn't going to be the place that, and so we, we began to, I said, you know what, before I go to the trouble of doing all of that, let me have a conversation with Brother Randy and just make sure that I'm really, I'm really someone they would want even to consider. And so anyway, I, uh, I said, you know what, can I, can I talk to you a little further? And so I got on the phone and the next day, and so the second time I ever talked to Randy Nutt, and, uh, and I said, hey, you got a minute? Because I just want to go through some things here rather than me go through the trouble of preparing all of these things because that sounds like a lot of work. And uh, it's not like I'm sitting around doing nothing. And so uh, I, I don't mind doing it if it seems like the Lord's in it, but I don't really want to do it if it seems like this is, no, I'm not going to be the right guy for this church. So uh, we began to talk, and I said, okay, well, here's, Here's where I'm at on this. And he was like, amen, me too, us too. That's where we want to be, okay? Here's where we're at on, you know, Bible version, amen. Well, that's where we want to be. Well, here's where we're at on this, and here's where, and every time I said, here's where I'm at, he said, amen, that's where we want to be. And Julie was 
I had Brother Randy on speakerphone. We were in my our our bedroom, and she came in and was listening to this conversation, and she was like, "Oh my, your hearts are being knit together." I mean, it was just like this firm connection was being established right then and there over the phone. Okay, then fast forward a few weeks to when I fly out here to Oklahoma. It's not actually the first time I've ever been to Oklahoma. My dad said that when we were three years, when I was three years old, we passed through this area. I do not remember that. (laughs) And uh, anyway, so when I got here, and even that Saturday, we had, I had, we went to a Italian restaurant here in the area with a few of the guys, and and just enjoyed that time, and then and then all day Sunday, just getting to meet this church family. And I remember just having that sense that my heart was being knit with this church family. Um, and, and, and so much so that when I left and, uh, and came home to Julie, I said, you know what? These are amazing people. I, you know, if this doesn't work out for me to come down there, um, we need to come back here sometime on a vacation or something because our hearts had been knit together. And for those who were here back then, uh, that's how I honestly felt in that moment. Uh, that's what the type of bond that uh, Paul is talking to this church family, that they would have this, uh, that they would have this unity, that they would be knit together in love. You know, we are going through in our Sunday school class a series uh, on, the, on the phrase, one another. And the different times in the scriptures, the phrase one another appears and the different responsibilities we have one to another. And uh, it's, a, it's just amazing how many times that phrase appears and, and the responsibility we have as believers to one another. We are to be connected. We, we need each other. See, I need you and uh, I, I don't really understand it, but you need me. And, and you may not understand the fact that I need you, but I do. And we need each other. We need connection with other believers, which, by the way, cannot be achieved virtually. And uh, I just want to just take a moment and say, hey, I'm thankful for live streaming and technology and the ability to do that and, and get the message out into the world and, and to be a blessing to those who can't be here due to sickness or who are out of town. But... Uh, but, but I just want to say it can never replace the live in-person assembling of believers for the preaching of the Word of God, for singing praises to our great God and fellowship with one another. It can't replace that. There is something natural and healthy about what we're doing tonight here in this room. Again, I'm thankful for those watching online. Hello. But you can't get what we're getting in here. And so, uh, please be faithful to this. 1 John 3, 14 says, We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. So we're called to love each other and to have this close bond with one another that their, uh, their hearts would be knit together in love. 1 Peter two seventeen says, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, Honor the king. So I guess what I'm saying is don't be a loner. Now, I get it. I'm not the most outgoing person in the world. I really am not. 
I like to keep to myself if I can. But God wants to use us in the lives of others, and, and we, he can't if we just kind of hang just in our own home and, and uh, do our own little thing. It's not to say we can't pray, God can't use us, but, but God wants to use us in the lives of others. And so let's not be reclusive. When I first got here, I kind of had a decision to make. Was I going to be a reclusive preacher and a loner and a lone ranger and say, you know what, I'm just going to kind of do my own thing, or am I going to try to get out and meet not just people but other preachers and develop some friendships? And uh, I'm telling you, I decided that I need to get out and step out of my comfort zone and start going to some of these preachers' meetings that are, praise the Lord, hosted here in Oklahoma. And I remember we went to one in November. We got here in September, went to one in November, and began to start meeting some, some preachers and some other fellow pastors. It's not my personality to go out and like, oh, I'm going to go meet a whole bunch of people. That's not me. But it has been so good, good for me. And I've since, since then, now I, I didn't know, by the way, I didn't know any of the pastors in our state prior to coming to Oklahoma. I didn't know any of them. Zero. I knew of them, I heard some of their names, but I had never personally met any of them. And I'm telling you, it has been such a blessing to go to these uh, preachers' meetings and get out and meet some people and meet some preachers and develop some friendships and some encouraging situations. Why am I telling you that? Why am I telling you that? Like, good for you, Pastor. That's great. What does that have to do with me? Well, it does have to do with you because, hey, if this shy guy can do it, so can you. You can get out and uh, invite somebody in the church to go to Brahms after a Sunday night service. You could do something. You could be involved in something. And so I want to encourage all of us here at Cornerstone to be faithful to the services. By the way, come early. Don't, you don't have to get here at 9.44 and 59 seconds for Sunday school. You can come earlier because guess what? The buildings are open earlier than 9.44 and 59 seconds. So you can come and you can have some coffee and you can enjoy some fellowship and to develop some relationships within the church. On, on, on Sunday nights, the church building is open before 5 o'clock. And uh, Wednesday nights, it opens before 7 o'clock. You can come early and have some fellowship and sit around and enjoy uh, talking with one another so that our hearts could be knit together in love. And by the way, you can stay late. I remember when we first got here uh, to Cornerstone Baptist Church on Sunday morning, it was kind of funny for us. Um, we were used to, in Montana... After the service was over, everybody staying around, like they would dismiss the service and everybody would just stand up and then just start kind of milling around in the building. No one would leave. And we were just kind of used to that. Well, we get here, we say amen, our family's standing in the back, and literally like five minutes and the whole place just like empties out. And we're like, what just happened? I mean, there's just zoom, 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 people, people leaving. And, and it's just our family left here by ourselves five minutes after we said amen. And we're like, wow, 
Um, that's neat. Praise the Lord, it's not that way anymore. Now we have to start turning lights off on some of you. Um, not going to mention any names, but um, she might be sitting right here. Um, no, seriously, this is a good thing for a church family to stay behind in fellowship because this means that our hearts are being knit together in love. And when we just bolt right after the service and we just get in our car and go home, we're not developing that relationship with one another. So come early, stay late, come to the activities. We just had a Memorial Day picnic last Monday, and we had a blessed time and uh, got sunburnt and uh, had a water balloon fight, and uh, kids nailed me with water balloons. It was awesome, but one of the things that that allowed is some fellowship with others. And so these activities are not just because we, uh, our staff, and Brother Blake, and, and Brother Jacob, and Miss Rebecca, and I, we kind of sit around going, boy, we're so bored. What are we going to do? What kind of activity could we do because we're so bored? Have we ever had a conversation like that? I'm pretty sure we've never said, we're so bored. What can we do to fill our schedule? We do that to... Uh, Allow for an opportunity for you to be knit together in love with, our, uh, with your fellow church family. So come to these activities. We have a fellowship meal uh, every once in a while. Come to those. Stay for those. Ladies' activities. Again, my wife is not bored. It's not like she has nothing on her plate and, and, and does these just so that she can you know, say, well, I did a ladies' activity. She does this, yes, to impart spiritual, so for spiritual growth to take place, but also uh, for uh, this connection to take place uh, among, among other ladies. There's a ladies' retreat coming up at the beginning of August. Here's that announcement that she's asked me to make. I'm making it now. I want to encourage you ladies to be a part of this. She's, gonna, she's put a lot of thought already into it, and a lot of work is going to go into it. Um, but again, not just for uh, spiritual growth, but also so that you can have your hearts connected and knit together with other ladies in the church. So we're to fill our hearts with connection. But a word of warning, though, we need to be sure that they are filled with the right type of connections. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. So those who we hang out with are going to affect us, like it or not. Nearness is likeness. Proverbs 13.20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Remember Abnon, one of David's sons? He had a friend named Jonadab, who encouraged Amnon in sin. And Jonadab helped Amnon come up with the perfect plan to sin. And guess what? It worked. Amnon ended up sinning and, and uh, disgracing the name of David and, and caused tremendous heartache because of it. And I don't know if that would have happened if he had the right type of a connection. If Jonadab was a good friend who encouraged him to do what's right and say, would you get that out of your mind? And uh, second... Samuel chapter 13 records that story, and if you want to look at that later. Proverbs 1.10, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. But David, on the other hand, had the right type of connect connection with Jonathan, and this connection actually ended up, in many ways, saving his life. 
So make sure you have the right connection. I'm saying in, have your hearts knit together in love, but making sure that they're the right people to have a connection with. that are going to encourage you in the Lord rather than discourage you in the Lord. So we need to be filled with comfort. We need to be filled with connection. Thirdly, we need to be filled with confidence. Confidence. And if you uh, look here in chapter 2, verse 2, again, it says that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding. The full assurance of understanding. This, this means firm persuasion, settled conviction, this confidence. It was the desire of the apostle that they might have entire conviction and confidence in the truth of the Christian doctrines and that they were in Christ. God doesn't want us to have any doubt in our mind as to what we believe or, or even that we are believers. In uh, 1 John chapter number 5, in verse number 13, it says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So God doesn't want us wondering or just hoping or living with this doubt or fear and fretting and, and uh, worry about what happens to us after this life is over. He wants us to know and to have our hearts filled with confidence that we are in Him and that He is in us and that we um, are convinced and confident in the truth of God's Word. Look, the more we grow in our knowledge and understanding of the Bible, the more convinced we become of its truthfulness, the more confident we will become in what we believe. The song we like to sing here at Cornerstone a lot is Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. We have this blessed assurance, this this confidence, this conviction, we are convinced that Jesus is mine. Is, do you have that confidence this evening? Do you know for certain? Are you fully confident? Do you have full assurance that you are in Christ? Do you know for sure that if you were to die today, that you would be in the presence of God and that your sins are forgiven? Do you have that full assurance? And do you have the full assurance that the word of God is true and right. This is what the Apostle Paul wanted uh, the, the church family there at Colossae to fill their hearts with, this, this confidence. Now, in order to have the confidence in our hearts regarding the truth of God's word, we need to have God's word in our heart. We don't need to just take somebody's word for it. We need to have the word of God in our heart. And how do we get it into our heart? Well, I'm glad... I asked that question. How do we do that? Well, this morning in Sunday school, we looked at this a little bit. I'm going to use some different words here, but we need to look at the Word of God. There needs to be a time where we are reading God's Word for ourselves. And really, the most... I'm, I appreciate the ability to read, aren't you? But that, that's not just so that we read traffic signs and uh, labels on products and novels. It's so that we can read God's word and get the truth in our hearts. So use our, our eyes to do that. Search the scriptures. 
For in them, uh, for they are they which testify of me, Jesus said. Search the scriptures. Read God's word on a very regular basis, daily. Uh, we need to look at the word of God. We need to learn the word of God. Study to show thyself approved unto God. We need to be students of the word of God. We talked about this in Sunday school at length today. Uh, to uh, understand what God's word is saying and, and to know it. Um, I know it's not easy, but um, I would encourage you to have a time where you're not just reading, but studying and learning uh, what the Word of God uh, says. Again, we have here at Cornerstone uh, FBI, Faith Bible Institute, on Monday nights. Uh, right now it's on a break, but uh, that goes through the Scriptures, and you get a good understanding, and you are able then to study the Word of God in that way. There's a lot of tools out there uh, to help you study the Word of God. We need to learn it. Uh, we, we, we need to understand what it says. And when we do, the more we understand, the more convinced and confident we become. And then we need to love it. Love the word of God. Uh, Psalm 119, several different verses in that passage, in that chapter, uh, talk about the psalmist's love for the scriptures. This needs to be precious to you. Like this, this is something that is like really valuable to you. And you have a close relationship with this Bible of yours. Um, my wife gave me this particular Bible, this specific Bible. It says, presented to Eric Johnson by Julie Johnson on July 1st, 2006. So this year, this Bible is turning 16 years old. And it says something else. I'm not going to read that part to you. That's for me only. This is a 16-year-old Bible. I don't really want another one. I just want this one because this is my special Bible. I mean, I preach from it. I have it in my Bible. In my, I read it. This is my, this is my Bible. I, this is precious. Well, why don't we get one just like it? Eh, I like this one. <laughs> we need to love the Bible. Love the scriptures. Have a close. And say, that's kind of creepy and weird. Um, Maybe, <laughs> uh, but we need to have a love for our, our, our Bible. And, and, and I know mine's kind of falling apart in some places. I've used tape and glued it, and it's still falling apart a little bit. Sometimes pages will fall out, and I'll have to pick them back up, put them back in. Uh, but I don't really want another Bible. I like this one. I like this one. And we need to have that mentality with the Word of God. We need to love the Scriptures. And then finally, we need to live the Scriptures. We need to live the Scriptures. Um, it does us no good if we just know what the Bible says and it doesn't change the way we live. Yeah, we need to live it out. So we need to fill our hearts with comfort, with connections, with confidence. But most of all, fourthly, we are to fill our hearts with Christ. With Christ. Putting Christ in our heart. Here in Colossians 2, in verse number 2, it says uh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Okay, imagine if you would, that tonight you decide, okay, I don't know why, but I feel like cleaning my attic. And when you start getting up there, you turn on all the lights there, and it's kind of dusty and all that. 
you start cleaning and you move a few boxes and you expose the uh, two by fours there that are not, it's not finished. You, you know, in your attic, it's, there's no drywall up. It's just two by fours. And, and uh, anyway, behind one of those two by fours, you notice a piece of paper kind of sticking out of there from behind that two by four. And you've never seen this paper before. So you reach for it and then you, it's folded up and you, you open it up. And to your surprise, you see that it's a map of some sorts with a giant X on it. And then you kind of look at this map and you're like, wait a minute, this looks like my backyard. And you're thinking, is this a treasure map? In my backyard? Is there treasure in my backyard? No way! And so all of a sudden, the cleaning the attic chore kind of comes to a screeching halt and you shift gears and you go down from your attic and you go to your garage grab a grab the biggest shovel you can and uh, you go outside and you're kind of like looking at this map and looking at your backyard and you're kind of like okay so I guess you know 10 paces to the right you know and 12 paces to the left and you're following this and you finally come to the place where that x is and you start digging and I would dig, wouldn't you, to see what was buried in your backyard. And you begin digging and digging and digging. And finally, chink, are you kidding? It's really here. There is something down here. And so you dig around it. And sure enough, it's this treasure chest. You're like, no way. There's a treasure chest in my backyard. This only happens in the movies. But it's happening to me right now. No way. And so you, you, you dig around that, and, and, uh, and you try to reach, reach down and grab it, but it's too heavy. But, man, the excitement in your heart is, is so much that it kind of gives you a little extra strength. And, and you're like, man, I can't wait to see what's in this thing. So you, you manage to pull it up on your own, and you get it out there, and, and you open it up. And, well, you'll have to come back next Sunday to hear the rest of the story. No, just kidding. You open it up, and sure enough, there is a treasure there. And you're like, man, this whole time there was treasure buried in my backyard. I can't believe this. And you're excited because now you have this treasure. Okay? I just made that story up. So what's the point of that whole story? Well, notice verse number three here. When it talks about Christ, it says, In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So people are searching for wisdom and for a deeper understanding and all these things. But in Christ, he's there all along and he has the ultimate uh, treasure in, and, and it's to the full. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hid in Christ. And he's there, right there in your heart, if he is in your heart. And so uh, here's what he's saying to the church at... Um, a Colossae. Um, you see, there was a false doctrine permeating that church. Um, the Gnostics boasted of an understanding far surpassing anything found within the pages of Scripture. And they were like, hey, we, we know more than the Bible knows. But the thing is, their wisdom was something in addition to what was found in Christ. But here Paul says that in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There's no need to search elsewhere. He's right there. 
And sometimes we don't even recognize that. It's like having a treasure buried in our own backyard. Um, but we have Christ in our hearts, and he is the source of all that we need. And so we don't need to search elsewhere. That's why it's important for us to make sure that Christ is in our heart. Um, I was reading about a four-year-old who was at her doctor's office for a checkup. The doctor was examining her ears with one of those uh, special things they can see into the ears, you know. The doctor asked, do you think I'll find Big Bird in here? The little girl remained silent. Next, the doctor took a tongue depressor and looked down her throat. Do you think I'll find the cookie monster down here? And again, the small patient was silent. And the doctor put a stethoscope to her chest, and as he listened to her heartbeat, the doctor asked, Do you think I'll hear Barney in there? Oh, no, the little girl replied. Jesus is in my heart. Barney is on my pajamas. <laughs> is Jesus in your heart? Have you filled your heart with Christ? Remember what uh, Colossians 1.27 says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery which is among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So is Christ in you? Is he in your heart? I hope the answer is yes. And for those who would say yes, um, are you continuing to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? The songwriter wrote, more about Jesus would I know, more of his grace to others show, more of his saving fullness see, more of his love who died for me. So we're to be filled with Christ, and once we are, then we're ready to go. I, Brother and Mrs. Nutt, um, our very own Brother and Mrs. Nutt, are headed to Israel in a couple weeks. And this morning, if you remember, I asked uh, Miss Robin, I said, are you getting excited about going to Israel? And her response was, I will once I start packing. Remember you said that? I will once I start packing. And isn't that the case with many of us as we're getting ready for a trip? Once we start packing, then it really starts getting exciting. Now, I'm notorious for packing last minute. In fact, I got a kick out of one of the Babylon Bee uh, headlines a few weeks ago. It says, um, they, they wrote this, I guess I should start packing, says Dad, 12 minutes before leaving on two-week vacation. <laughs> I'm like, that is so me, because uh, I don't pack till like the morning of. I think Seth is getting it for me. Um, but here's the deal. Can I encourage you to start packing tonight? to making sure that your hearts are filled with some things. Start filling your heart with the right type of comfort, with the right type of connections, with the right confidence, and most of all, fill your heart with Christ. And guess what? Once you start packing, once you start packing, like Miss Robin said, you'll start to get excited about where you're headed. And where are we headed? Well, we're headed to glory, of course, as believers. We'll get excited about heaven, but, but also not just that, but for God's will for us each day. We're each day we're headed into God's will, and, and as we pack each day with the right comfort, with the right connection, with the right confidence, and of course with Christ, then, then we'll get excited about where we're headed into God's will. But if these things are absent from our hearts, uh, we're not going to be near as excited. So, so start packing tonight.
Start filling your hearts with those things. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the time together tonight and your word. Uh, Thank you for uh, this portion of scripture that we've studied tonight. And Lord, I know there's a lot more that could be said about all these uh, truths, but I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to now be good doers of what we heard. Help us, Lord, to start packing, to start getting the right comfort and start seeking you for the right comfort, to having the right connections in our lives and and not being reclusive and loners, but, Lord, to have um, a realization that we need good Christian fellowship in our life. And Lord, I I pray also that you'd help us to have the right confidence in our relationship with you and uh, with your word. And and I pray that you'd help us to get your word in our hearts. And then, Lord, help us to make sure that we have Christ in our hearts most of all. And help us to develop that relationship with you as time goes on. Well, thank you for all that takes place. In Jesus' name. We're going to end the service.